Welcome to The Voice of Business, the official podcast of the Chamber of Commerce Hawaii. Our guest today is Unyang Nakata. She's a member of the executive team at Waihata and is specifically charged with the area of sales, marketing, business development, customer service and supply chain. Prior to joining Waihata Company, she led the advancement program for the Scheidler College of Business for over 10 years. She thrives on challenges with particular emphasis in opportunities that strengthen an organization's systems and expand brand strength and impact. She is the Senior Director of Sales and Merchandising at Waihata Company Limited. Hello, Anyang. How are you? Hi, Joe. Very happy to be here with you on Talking Story. It's really nice for you to take the time because you are, in fact, an extremely busy person. I didn't, in the introduction, include your entire bio, but you have been recognized by the Chamber of Commerce Hawaii as being the Young Professional of the Year by Pacific Business News for Women Who Mean Business and 40 Under 40 by the AFP. You have been recognized as Outstanding Professional Fundraiser of the Year and by Hawaii Business Magazine as one of the next 20 for the next 20. That's quite a list of achievements. Would you say that you're a very determined and um, far-thinking individual? You know, I have been privileged to be recognized, as you outlined, and I would proudly say it's because of uh, the opportunities that I've been given to serve the community. So fortunately, I've been recognized, but it's it's only a result of others giving me the opportunity to try to make a small difference and help where I can. Um, I also try to be very honest and open. So yes, I am a very determined person. I'm a to-do list person. I'm a five-year plan kind of person. And I'm a planner and I'm a worrier and all those good things in between. And that's just uh, that's just who I am. You're, um, you have a Bachelor of Science in Microbiology and a Master of Business Administration from University of Hawaii at Manoa. What came first? Your interest in science or your interest in business? Oh, that's a good question. So I am a nerd, proud nerd. I believe that nerds rule the world. So my first love was science. And I am not ashamed to say I love bacteria and viruses and all those things. Oh, well, you must have had a field day yeah. the past year then. <laughs> um, so I did major in microbiology because it was just absolutely fascinating. Um, and I don't regret it, but I also am open enough to say that I didn't have um, – the guidance that I wish I had. And um, so I didn't have someone asking me the question of, so what do you plan to do with that degree? Um, and so as you can see, I went back to school. And so I'm a proud uh, twice graduate of the University of Hawaii at Manoa. So I went back for my MBA, um, now called the Scheidler College of Business, and um, gained some more um, real-world marketable skills. And that advanced degree really changed the course of my career, but I am a nerd through and through, and I, I still love microbiology. And I would say that um, my love of science continues today, not just in science as an absolute, but in the way that I think. So when there is a challenge, I tend to think very scientifically. So what is the problem? What's the theory? And what's the process to prove my theory? And then what's the quality control? And then as 
probably the staff may not like, let's document it and then let's share the information. So I've realized that I, I process things in a scientific way. That makes perfect sense, actually, especially <laughs> when you're part of running a huge organization. Those things are really important. You said something very interesting that I think is something that really affects a lot of young people nowadays. No one has asked the right questions. People are sometimes streamlined through high school and then into university and into kind of expected uh, professions or courses. Do you think that that it would have made a huge difference to you earlier if someone had said to you, what do you actually like, Anyang? What would, what would you really like to be? Do you think then you would have sat back and thought, actually, I'd love to do this? Absolutely. So I can take one step further and share with you that first I was advised um, because I every report card in elementary school was too talkative, too talkative, too talkative. So first it was maybe you should be an attorney. And then um, somehow it got to be a doctor. But I think every Asian kid is promoted to be a doctor, right? <laughs> so so when I graduated, proudly graduated from McKinley High School here, um, I was pre-med. And, um, you know, looking back, I, I wish I had a little bit more structure and guidance. And that's no one's fault. It's just what happened. And I would say that if I did have that, um, I would likely be um, what I actually really wanted to be, which is a plastic surgeon. Because <laughs> I love gross things and surgery and all those kinds of things. So how that translates to today is exactly what you said. So when I have the opportunity to engage with the university in mock interviews or professional interaction night, and definitely with our daughter, and she has aspirations, I will be very uh, honest with her like, okay, that's really great. So how are you going to get there? And do you realize it's going to take this much school? And do you realize that um, it will require this of you? Because I think that's the kind of thing that we don't necessarily talk about. People see the shiny thing at the end. It's this iceberg theory that I have. Um, most people see the end result, the shiny thing, the, the tip, but they don't realize all the sacrifices and grit and uh, failures and, and all of that kind of underneath. And I think just encouraging young people in business to think differently and think creatively is something that is needed more and more. And during the pandemic, for example, we've all seen the number of businesses that have grown out of the pandemic. You know, businesses that didn't exist before, um, companies operating in ways that didn't exist before have shown to us that if you have to look at things in a different way, you can start creating things that didn't exist before. And I think that at Waihata and with ChefZone in particular, during last year, you really got into how are we going to make this business pivot and be essential and remain very important to our customers. Um, right off the bat, did you know, okay, we've got to change how we're doing business here? Or was it something that started developing because of your customers' reactions? That's a great question. So I would first say that Waihata now is a 108-year-old company. 
And so statistically, as you know better than me, um, family-owned businesses usually fail by the third generation. So Waihata and company, um, including Chef Zone, which is a division, six over six years old now, it's a family-owned company and third generation. So by that fact, we've already crossed a hurdle, right? Um, and I think, I know actually, not think, I know now that I'm there, that the reason why um, warts and all that the company has survived over 108 years is because the DNA, starting with the family owner, starting with Russell J. Hata, is always thinking of the future and always investing in infrastructure, investing in people, investing in technology. No company's perfect. Waihata certainly is not. But my position is, is the investment and forward thinking that's been happening for 108 years has been what has led to its success. So looking back to what we've all survived together, um, when COVID hit, I had been at Waihata five months and it was it was already scary changing industries and pivoting my career and taking that leap of faith. And then COVID hit and I will be the first to tell you I completely lost my mind. For the first time in my life, I, in hindsight, I went through a, a mild bout of depression. Actually, Russell and I talked about this and both he and I are like jovial people, right? And we admitted to each other that we had about a two-week period each, maybe not the same time where it was kind of scary, right? 108, at that time, a 107-year-old company. So what I would say is the DNA of the company already was forward-thinking, Russell in a steady state is always pushing us. What now? What now? What now? Five years from now, 10 years from now, that kind of thing, right? When COVID hit and we saw our uh, broadline or street business, that's our uh, regular restaurants sales plummet by 80%. Now our contract business with the DOE and the military and the pandas and cheesecake factory did not. And also Chef Zone is different too. And actually Chef Zone sales went up as we'll talk about in a little bit. When we saw our broadline business go down by 80%, it was very, very, very scary. So we pivoted not... um we didn't wait for consumers to let us know. It was complete survival, saving this uh, hundred plus year family business, right? And not just for the employees, but for our customers and for the community, because we pride ourselves in also having an impact in the community. So it was purely about survival. So after assessing um Getting down to bare bones, getting down to the core KPIs and what we need to focus on, then we really put our heads together about what are the sales pivots needed to slow the burn. It was never about creating new lines of revenue permanently. It was all about surviving the next year, slowing the burn because we knew that our customers would come back. We knew that Hawaii would come back. We knew that we would all survive together, right? So when we took that position pretty quickly, I'll never forget, we, um, I hired a uh, digital design specialist, and he said to me, I've, that was the fastest I've ever scaffolded up an e-commerce site, and he did it in a week and a half. So we did that, and then we just went with it, and there was a core group of us that just tried things left and right, but again, all scaffolded up by an owner who naturally thinks that way and was not risk-adverse. He was like, we need to survive. Just do it, right? So we scaffolded up the e-commerce. We started doing uh, bundles. Then we started sourcing bundles from suppliers directly to make things more efficient. 
we started, we launched a chef zone curbside on the backside, the Kopaka side of chef zone to be efficient, but also safe. Um, we started partnering with uh, nonprofits when they started to get CARES Act money. We wanted to be their partner in, you know, we want, we wanted everyone to do what they're good at. And there are things that we're good at, right? So we partnered with Salvation Army and Aloha Harvest and um, Food Bank. And we're really, really proud to do that. And then towards the holidays, we launched a corporate program because companies, small, medium, and large, were looking for how do they show love to their employees? Because we can't get together. I can't take you out to the Kahala and throw you a party. And it all came down to food. Right. And like I always say to me, food is love. That's the best way that we show how much we care. Right. It's the reason why you never run out of food at a party. Like, how dare you? Right. Especially at a local party. So uh, towards the holidays, we're very proud to support um, companies of all sizes with their um, year end Ohana gifts. And by that time, things started to turn back around. And we looked back and we were just so proud of ourselves. Um, it's not necessarily what we did in a showy way, but just that we came together with significantly less staff. Mm-hmm. And we did it. We survived together like many other local companies did by going above and beyond and, and just saying yes. Yeah. I think one of the the show pieces for your marketing skills or certainly one that that when I looked at it, I thought, now that's very clever on a number of different levels, was the program that you started with the chef boxes. So knowing that people were at home and and in need of food and also realizing very quickly that a lot of people don't cook. You know, they've been working couples, you know, working families. Uh, Cooking has never been really a big part of it. You implemented this program again as part of your pivoting uh, where you got local chefs to come up with uh, recipes and and home delivery boxes where people could pick up the boxes, take the food home partially prepped. Um, and I thought that was really one of the the very clever marketing ideas where you were bringing in a lot of different elements of of how to reach people. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? Thank you so much for bringing that up because I just can't believe I left that out. Okay, so. <laughs> but it oh, was such a fun program. It was, and absolutely. It will continue. Absolutely. So thank you for reminding me. Um, the De Chef's Box. And it's not the, it's Da Chef's, da I just, chef's I'm Box. Young, I yeah. just can't say it. It's with my Scottish accent. No, 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 no. I'm saying that for terrible. me. <laughs> I know, but well, I let me hear you say it. it. Let me no, hear it. Can. It sounds terrible. <laughs> okay, so Da Chef's Box. Um, Oh man, that was really great. And let me share with you how that came to be. So yes, it was all about survival and pivoting, but truly it came from us saying to ourselves, how do we help our customer chefs? Let's partner with them. So it was a revenue sharing program. And, um, we started with Moment at Persina. And we've had, you know, Keith Kong from Basalt. We've had Jesse Cruz from Livestock Tavern. Tavern. We've had Big City Diner. We've had Mark Freiberg, who had a catering business, who um, did our heart healthy boxes, mm-hmm. which um, I'm a porkatarian. 
I mean, pork is my favorite protein, but I loved those heart-healthy boxes. And it's exactly as you said. So it's a revenue-sharing program, and we would they would create a new menu each week. Then they do what they're good at, and then we did what we're good at. We had the e-commerce. We had the social media. We had the curbside. So all those three scaffolding that they didn't need to worry about, right? And it was a partnership, and we revenue shared, and I'm just so proud that we did that together. And I actually have a little stat here. So we, together with the chefs, we um, executed... We offered 4,200 to chef's boxes. And um, we've gotten a lot of great feedback about how much they enjoyed it. And it's exactly what you said. Um, it wasn't fully cooked. It wasn't fully raw. It was somewhere in between and it was safe so they could go home and feel like a gourmet chef, right? And, a, and it was a great value. I mean, $85 for a complete box of, you know, poo-poos, entrees, dessert, um, sometimes fresh bread. So we're super proud of that. So currently, it's sunsetted. But again, because these programs were never about creating permanent lines of business, it was about staying true to who we are and survival and helping our customer partners. But we're planning on... um, Offering maybe like a 4th of July barbecue box with Tex 808, rich, with Rich Stula, right? Mm-hmm. Or maybe a Thanksgiving box, which we did with them. So it's not gone forever. It's just on hold. You said earlier, um, and I think this will resonate with a lot of people, that right at the beginning of the pandemic, you had a period, like a little wobble period, where you felt you know, almost depressed. It's like, what what is going to happen, especially in the food business where we're talking about perishable items and a tremendous loss in business. Um, coming through that and bringing your team with you and having to come up with all of these incredible marketing ideas that some days were just one after the other after the other to see what was going to work and what was going to stick. Um, it takes a very strong personality to do that um what do you do to relax and unwind and when you walk away from all of these creative ideas and it's family time do you find it easy to switch off are you someone who can just say okay I'm done with work now I'm going to read or what it what does Anyang do when she's not on Okay, I was not ready for that question, but true to form, I will tell you the truth. So I'm I'm a, I'm a car dancer. So a car dancer. <laughs> so if anybody sees me on the road oh, okay. and I am I dancing, like a bad dancer. yes, okay. I am a car dancer. So um, I didn't dance in my car for a long time, and uh, a couple months ago, I found myself without thinking dancing in my car again, and I said, oh. I'm dancing in my car again. With your seatbelt on, I hope. Yes, of course. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So, one, I'm a car dancer. Two, I'm a laugher. Uh, Three, I'm a a proud wine drinker. And um, when I am off, I'm actually fairly good at being off. And I will tell you, it's not because I'm awesome. It's because I learned that the hard way. There was a time in my life where I was uh, younger and less experienced, and I would bring a lot of things home. And it just wasn't good for me. It wasn't good for my family. And talking about that stuff over and over just didn't move the needle in any way, right? 
And you know, at White Hot Dad, I'm, I'm very, it's very challenging, but I'm very fulfilled. It's very meaningful. So I wouldn't really have things to hash out at home anyway. But, um, if you ask my family, they would tell you, so how was your day? I said, fine. It's over. Mm-hmm. Period. Because also, I had a period of my life where I wasn't 100% at work and I wasn't 100% at home. And so when I'm at work, I'm at work. Or if I'm at home working. But if I'm at home or with my family, that's it. That's it. So I think I get better every every year at that. I'm sure you yes. do. We have no and doubt. And if you see me on the, in the, on the road, on the car dancing, just dance back with me. <laughs> And Young, in the final minute or two that we have, um, for many people listening, they perhaps have not visited Chef Zone, this extraordinary division of Waihata. If you had to describe Chef Zone to someone who'd never walked into it and just give us a kind of synopsis of what it is and what it is to you, how would you do that? Oh, that's awesome. It's a playground. It is not a retail supermarket. It is not a big box grocery store. It is somewhere in between. It was conceptualized for food service operators, but open to everybody. The membership is free. So the Mr. and Mrs. Satos of the world, they are welcome. They come in, they get their free membership, and it's a playground. We're talking foie gras. We're talking crab. We're talking uh, wagyu beef patties, marinated kalbi, but also fresh produce from Alun Farms and other local farmers. We're talking Mana Up products, every new cohort now. We're talking Latour fresh bread. It's a playground. I also have a dream of creating a hot sauce section, but it's not there yet. So it is a playground. It's for people who want sexy, restaurant-quality products at great value. That's a great description. And it's also, I would add, somewhere that you can sometimes see your favorite chefs doing their shopping, which is always fun. That's right. That's right. That's right. Anyang Nakata is the Senior Director of Sales and Merchandising at Waihata Company Limited. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Joe. This was really fun. You've been listening to The Voice of Business, the official podcast of the Chamber of Commerce Hawaii. Join us next time for more conversations from Hawaii's business.